Welcome on in. Enzwell Boxing, Ireland's boxing podcast. I'm Al Rich. Click on the link in the attached show notes. You'll find all our previous episodes. If you want to get in touch, suggestions, ideas, you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can email us at endswellpod at protonmail.com. Uh, you are, of course, welcome on in. It's December 1st. It's officially the start of party season, regardless of what anybody else says. The fights are coming thick and fast. The debate is raging. So let's get into it. And I'm absolutely delighted to welcome my Belfast boxing brother, Stephen Morton of Boxing Tickets Northern Ireland, as we use this episode to preview the MTK Golden Contract Finals, which go ahead on Wednesday night in the Wakefield Studios. Doesn't seem all that long ago, Steve, since we did the last one. So how have you been keeping? Yeah, and, and, and you know, we've obviously became good good pals, obviously, and, you know, chat, chat away and stuff, you know, offline and stuff as well. But, you know, it's it's been good to sort of bring something new into it, you know, 2020's obviously been a year for for strange new things. <laughs> I've been called worse, and I I'll take that. I'll take that. But yeah, you're right. We do um we do different versions of the same thing, Steve. Your uh, visual interviews you're done with your with your guests. You're generally beside them, or or you at least have them on the screen with mine a lot of the time, if not all the time. They're on the phone, the other end of a line, sometimes the other side of the world. So it's always great to see how. From these collaborated episodes, it's always great to see how the other side works and how how different things work. Because video, I guess, in the long term, is something I want to add also. And obviously, being able to link up with yourself, you know, I've never been one to sort of try and take spotlight for things, but it's good to sort of sometimes feel valued as the somebody wants the input into what we do, and obviously the fight game, you know. To me, it's kind of normal. It's kind of natural. I I just uh, it's all about. Th- connecting with people for me this this podcast experience it's about le- interviewing fighters learning the interview but it's also as much so if not more about connecting with people like yourself people like Kieran and Boxing Bants and, and the different podcasts dotted around the world and let me say there's plenty of room for growth I think going ahead but yeah you're right it, it's been a funny it's been a funny old year it's certainly one that we couldn't have envisaged or predicted or expected but to be honest with you for me I've kind of used it. I've tried to stay productive. I've tried to stay focused. I've lost the focus a few times, but not too much. Not too much. I I, I don't want to be. I don't want to pat myself on the back just yet because uh, <laughs> anything can happen. But how have you found it, Steve? Have you been busy? Have you been kept going? Probably like to be a lot busier with boxers and different routines and trying to stay in camp, trying to stay focused and on on normal life, so to speak. Sometimes it's. It's sort of been hard to get interviews tied down, you know, for whatever reasons. There's been plenty of boxing to obviously keep ourselves going. And online things have sort of kept people sane, you know, whether it's Netflix, whether it's boxing or whether it's sport or whatever in general. It seems to be that people's come back to sort of basics in life. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. There's been a, a bit of juggling going on here myself. I've had to rejig a few. I have a few in the can and I have a few more to come before we, we sign off on, on the year just yet. But before we get into all that, I want to just have a look at a couple of headlines and bits that have been going on over the last couple of days. And with all the enthusiasm and excitement, I almost forgot to tell you what was coming. Where are my manners, eh? If my old nan was around now, do you know what? I'd get a clip round the ear. We're welcoming back two guests here on the episode who lit it up for me in Modus Operandi miniseries ahead of the original fixture for the Golden Contract Finals. Jazza Dickens is back to serenade and charm his way into the ears and the hearts of the listeners on Enswell Boxing. So if anyone doesn't know, if you're walking around Yazda on a Thursday night at 7 o'clock, 
and there's somebody in his carrying nothing but bananas. That means he's a swinger. Facing Jazz on Wednesday night for what I believe could well be and probably will be a fight of the year contender will be Ryan Walsh and Ryan will join me a little bit later in the episode as well to chat about the upcoming final. Before I jump into the previews, I want to bring your attention to a few clips here that I have from an interview that Eddie Hearn did last night, of course, on IFL TV. And it's centred around the kerfuffle that's, that's been just brewing and brewing and brewing since the Daniel Dubois-Joe Joyce fight on Saturday night. It's a fight for me that didn't ever hold any really massive attraction. I watched it because it was on and because I wanted to. But it didn't blow my hair back. The build up to it, I didn't, it just, it wasn't one that caught my imagination. For re, for one reason or another, just didn't. What transpired in the fight and everything else is, of course, what um, what many casual fans, armchair fans, non-boxing family will, I suppose, engross themselves in and regurgitate over the next few days and maybe weeks. I haven't seen any scans or anything. I think most most people would post some kind of X-ray. I don't. I, I'm not a doctor, but it didn't look. It looked like eye swelling. So that tells you probably more than some people know. And I just watched him implode. It was like I said from the first round. I could have told you Joe Joyce is going to win this fight. You know, and he wasn't ready for Joe Joyce. He wasn't good enough. He didn't have the heart. He didn't have the ability. So at some point you have to make that jump, but. When you're bringing a fighter through that's so important to, you know, your broadcaster or, or your business, you just have to make the right jumps at the right time. I, I, I never think that we we should criticise fighters and say, he quit, he did this, he did that. But unfortunately, fighters are very special people. To them, what he did was unacceptable. Mm. Where to start picking the bones out of all of that? Firstly, I could ask the question. If you didn't look at the fight of the weekend and you only heard those clips right now, would you assume maybe that that was any fight of the last few years? Would you think perhaps it could be the Kell Brook fight against Errol Spence? Could you think perhaps it might have been the Anthony Joshua fight against Andy Ruiz? Where um, Manny, Manny said after the fight that what he did was unforgivable that in future it's in him to quit, that he looked at the ref as he waved the fight off. Remember all that? I think it's very disingenuous by Mr. Hearn. I think it's very um, two-faced, if I'm being honest. And I don't expect much by way of promotional rivalries. I, I know they do what they do and they say what they say and that's that's their, their want. But I think when you when you consider the young man that's career is being taken apart now by by people who are in no way, shape or form qualified to. I think they'll only be enhanced and they'll only be encouraged by listening to somebody that I would expect more from. I would expect more from because I think the boxing world, again, apart from a select outside view, when AJ had his woes and when Kelbrook had his woes and when, when at different times when when we see what we see and we know what we see, a fighter in dire trouble and a fighter who maybe, maybe just made the step at the wrong time, perhaps. Or let's not forget, he was winning the fight. He was winning the fight when it was stopped. 
boxing is all too real for some people. It's 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 live. It's 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 real time. It's happening right in front of us, and there's no back door. There's no substitutions. There's no exit. There's no there is no alternative when you get an injury. None, as we know. We've heard of fighters. We've all seen Jamie Conlon over the years give us all. We've seen Arturo Gatti, Mickey Ward. We've seen Carl Frampton fight with a fracture, go into a fight with a fractured hand and come out with two fractured hands. We've seen it all over the years and, and, and we're going to see it all again and again and again. Do we want to see fighters put their well-being on the line? Do we want to see them put any more than they already do? That's the question. You consider last weekend one of the most sickening, sickening injuries I've seen incidents in the Arsenal versus a Wolves match. It was an absolutely horrific clash of heads between David Luiz and um, the Juarez, the, the, the Wolves forward. I've never heard a sound so... It, it actually made me feel unwell. And straight away the game stopped. Straight away everything stopped. And the player was stretchered off and brought to hospital and, vice versa, and whatever else needed to be done. My point. Daniel Dubois fractured his eye socket in round two on Friday night apparently. And he soldiered on and battled on and battled on to a point where he was winning the fight. Now, by what margin or by whose cards, that's another day's work as well. But it reminded me very similar to a famous fight in the UFC years ago, Robbie Lawler, where they just could not physically take any more pain. And that's what happened. That's what happened. His trainer is on record now, as, as having said, that was the end anyways. He was going to pull him out. He knew what had happened or suspected so are we to castigate are we to ruin this young man's career or are we to give him the same benefit that the boxing world gave Anthony Joshua that gave Kel Brook over and over again that gives Amir Khan over and over again I think I think it's time now to step back from this a little bit and give that man a chance give him a chance okay maybe he dared to be great a little bit sooner than, than he should have maybe or maybe maybe it was just a case of on the night Big Joe Joyce delivered everything that he promised and everything that he could and everything that he said he would. And that delivery happened to be just on the night better than what Daniel Dubois could. Let the boxers discuss it amongst themselves. Let the people who know discuss it amongst themselves. They're the guys in there. Let people who have had a, a fractured eye socket discuss what sort of pain was he feeling. What sort, what's it likely to be? And is it possible to go on any more than another eight? He's already gone eight rounds with it. And I just think people who have been doing so well and promoting the game in the way he has and, and, and has brought it to new levels and over the last few months we've seen we've seen a new zest. We've seen a new, almost at times, a, a piece, a, a, a certain degree of cordial, cordiality between the two promoters. I just think this now is cheap. It's uncalled for. And I think he knows better and he should know better. And I would expect more from him and I wish Daniel Dubois and his team and his family and everything else I wish him nothing but the best because that's a horrific horrific injury I did get the feeling myself on Saturday night from the first from the time that injury started he was never comfortable he was constantly pawing at it he was constantly but listen I've never had a fractured eye socket I've had some head injuries I've had some hand injuries I've had some over the years but I've never had a fractured eye socket and by all accounts it is it's a it's a um, a seriously painful infliction. 
So as I said, I wish him well. I wish his family well. I wish his team well. And we will see him back if he chooses to come back. He, there's no reason why he won't. Not sure what your take on all of that was, Stephen. But our own fellas here closer to home are starting to flex their muscles a little bit. We had Mick Conlon almost due to fight what it looked like Isaac Dogbay, which would have been a real come-out fight. And uh, just didn't happen with, with that injury. And, and a very unfortunate injury too, the way it happened. And let me just bring you back in on this, Stephen, and get your thoughts on it. But we had an announcement the other night as we prepared for that fight. Mr. Frampton is going to have a lean, mean camp over the Christmas. There's not going to be much pudding and cream for him, is there? there there's not. And I actually thought, you know, it was on the on the card on Saturday night and I thought, what a way they sort of, um, they announced the fight, you know, sort of just started back in the camp. You know, maybe it's going to be announced this week. Um believe it's obviously going to be in the, the middle of January in London. It's sort of surprising to think that Joe Joyce won a fight with Jab, yeah. you know. So it sort of put put that sort of onus out there again, as they, they say. It's, the Jab's the most important punch. You know, it's come out since. It. He's obviously broken the, the orbital bone. Very similar injury to uh, Kel Brooks suffered against Golovkin. And, you know, he never really come back from that. But I think sometimes people forget that the boy is 23 years of age. If he couldn't see, what's he, what's he going to do? He put his life on the line to sort of, for the benefit of, of somebody sitting behind their sofa that just wants him to go another two minutes. You could probably put it back in the corner and say, could they have done more work on the ice sooner on? You know, could they have switched stance and went southpaw? Could they have tried something different to, to sort of ease up on the ice? Because you've seen Joyce was just peppering him with a jab to the same eye the whole fight. So he sort of knew that that that's how he was going to break him down. And I found myself in a similar um, similar vein looking at the fight, thinking about Jamie Conlon, how when, when yeah. Dubois took the knee, took me back to Jamie, his his last fight, and, and I think they could have hit him with anything, they could have run him over with anything, they could have broken anything, and the man wasn't staying down. So it's just, every fighter has their limits. I would be respectful of them all, every single one of them, because you want to lace them gloves up and you want to leave your family outside and get in there and take it. Well, well that, think, that, that respect needs to be remembered, particularly, I would say at times, Steve, by people like me and you who are on this side of the mic, that sometimes just, as as you pointed out earlier on, they seem to forget sometimes who the important ones are and what it's all about, don't they? But then, highly, highly experienced sort of amateur, you know, he's been there, done it, got the T-shirt, Olympic medal medalist. You know, I was looking at the similarities between Joe Joyce and and obviously... Or very own Paddy Barnes, who, you know, probably both both of them left very late and, and turning pro. Um, you know, where we're seeing that it's has to work for Joyce, and you know, for whatever reasons, it obviously didn't work for Paddy. But you know, was it just maybe a wee bit more hunger? And you know, I don't think Paddy ever really wanted to turn pro, but obviously just done it to try and be different. Yeah, they do, and they they look at Twitter as a prime example. You know, there there's so many people out there nowadays that think of a better opinion of even the boxers themselves. You know, and they're they're slating boxers for having their opinions and things and everything else. And, you know, as a keyboard warrior sort of mm. mindset still there that people just think that they have an opinion that's more valid than somebody that actually has been there and done it, you know. Um, you know, but it's, it's it's one of these things now, isn't it, that we just have to either ignore it or, you know, if, if something's... or avoid it, you know. Well, obviously, it's pretty much a similar words, but... Um, you know, for I think for I think a lot of boxers nowadays, they just have to learn. They sort of have a thick skin and sort of try and stay away from debates where, you know, people just don't know or understand obviously what's going on. Um, you know, you probably like it to be in 
um, that same venue as it was on Saturday night. It mm. looked absolutely incredible. You know, uh, first time obviously boxing ever in, in Church House, and they're going back to it again this weekend. And it, it sort of, it sort of reminds you a wee bit of sort of a mix between York Hall and and the Ulster Hall. You know, it just looked like an iconic venue that probably should be used more. You know, what it could obviously hold capacity wise for normal fights. You're not sure, but maybe it could be the New York Hall. I agree with you. Look, almost had that natural amphitheatre, even from the entrances, the long, narrow corridors and the iconic painting. It, it was really, really well done in terms of life and, and history. It's 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 a special place and, and it, it provided a special atmosphere in itself, didn't it? It did. You know, some some of the card was obviously, you know, be, you know, being honest about some of the cards on Saturday night, some of you were sort of going, mm. you know, what's going on here? It wasn't, there wasn't really that big... Um, atmosphere sort of drive that you wanted, you know, you wanted to be sort of an edge of your seat for some of the fights and some of them were a bit boring, but, you know, everybody was sort of tuning in for, for one fight and one fight only, but um, it looks like a special venue, you know, and hopefully it's something that Frank or, or Eddie or any other promoters can sort of get again, I believe. Frank had sort of made a deal to sort of get it, so maybe it's something that he'll keep exclusive, you know, um, like he's had with other venues in the past, so but hopefully it's something that can be used again when, when crowds return, because I'm sure a lot of fight fans have wanted to go just to see the venue itself. I did see Carl tweeting about it, all right. Something um, made, it, made it a point to tweet about the venue, so who knows, maybe maybe that could be the place to bring Mr Herring. Looking ahead, I suppose, to the more immediate, we have Wednesday night, a finally, finally, a golden contract final that we can get our teeth into. The light heavyweights, you know a little bit more about these fellas than I do from your experience watching them and following Stephen Ward and the likes. Two surprise packages, aren't they? Yeah, Serge Michelle probably been, been known more of the two of them. Quite, quite a big puncher and probably wasn't a lot of people's picks going into the tournament. You know, obviously you had three three of obviously the big big sort of well-known guys in the, in the UK and, and uh, Stephen Ward and Jose Burton and Liam Comeroy on it. And between, between obviously the two finalists, is, is sort of taking them both out. You know, taking them all out. So it's it's something that's interesting because Bolognik's obviously in the quarterfinal against Ward. Ward sort of said that, you know, the plan was to move up the cruiser and the opportunity of the golden contract couldn't be missed. So they were sort of going, blew away and run one round sort of with the, the weight difference, but it was sort of unfair on Bolognik's. But it should be an interesting final. And I guess it's sort of given two fighters that sort of platform they wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, you know the the big contract and the five fight deal and everything else. You know, you're probably looking that the 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 winner of this could potentially fight for a world title afterwards. And the light heavy division is one that's really coming to life now. We've got um we've got a lot of fighters. I was due to speak with Joe Smith there on Wednesday. He's he's moved into prime position now. It looks like he's about to negotiate a world title. We've Callum Johnson across there in, in Liverpool, hoping to chat with him before Christmas. But there's a lot of the big players and there's a lot of the next level lads that are moving into position. And I think these guys will probably be just outside of that, but they definitely have the tools. I mean, Bolotniks for me has been the, I mean, not just for taking out Ward, he took out Burton in the semi-final. He's got that aggression, that raw power, and he's he has a little bit more to him than, than the one that Eddie Hearn is trying to push on everybody, which is in, in Savage, the Babbage, Babbage, the Savage, or whatever the hell they call him. There's a lot of fighters we haven't seen, isn't there, that you would wonder, and how they've dealt with it, how they've coped, and where they're at right now, from a career standpoint, and more importantly, from a personal standpoint. Obviously, some of the, some of the fighters still learning their trade. Um, you know, particularly with an Irish boxing and things like that. But but even when you look at you know a world champion like Josh Warrington, you know 
hasn't hasn't been seen in, in quite a bit. And there's boxers not always getting their chance. Obviously, Callum Smith were sort of looking with the sort of feud that was happening between Joe and Eddie. You know, was was Callum going to get a fight? And then all of a sudden, Canelo fighting four weeks' notice. You know, so some fighters obviously, you know, Eddie Hearn was the one that sort of said at the start. Whereas if you stay ready, you'll get fights. Um, others haven't stayed ready for whatever reason. You know, whether they've had um, mental demons, obviously, of the struggles of not bringing money in as they used to. Um, you know, but the law, the law, get their chance. You know. Um, you know, obviously, fight, fighters here like Rory Dalton, Dee Sullivan, um, Sean Duffy, who was obviously supposed to have a fight not so long ago, um, Anthony Kokachi, funny, a year ago today, won the, mm. the British British Super Featherweight title in Birmingham. And, you know, through injury and through COVID, just hasn't had a chance to fight again since, you know. And um, you obviously look at the Bradley brothers in Oma. You know, you've Callum obviously hasn't fought since what, February. Um You've obviously had Tiernan been out now and, and, and pressing his debut. And, you know, quite a lot of the box in Ireland stable haven't been out either. Um, I know five of them's getting a run in a few weeks' time, but people just have to sort of remember, you know, what are they in the game for? You know, probably they have to reset their values and, and what they want. Maybe... Yeah, and, you know, sort of going back on, you know, Dubois, Frank's done it before, you know, look at Anthony Yard, big, big muscle mass, Obviously, a bit lighter in weight, so it's obviously easier to hold some stamina. But he didn't really have a big amateur career and came up short, obviously, in World Title Fagans Kovalev. But but since then, seen the improvements in him. Seems to be improved defensively, trying to do the shoulder roll and things like that. And he seems to have added bits to his game. So the one thing I'm obviously hoping is, you know, heavyweight boxing is is absolutely booming. I think Frank Warren's got four or five heavyweights. Eddie's got at least four or five heavyweights. Top rank of a few, you know, the landscape's there for, for some amazing fights, you know, and they're really, really good money to be made. So I just hope Dubois doesn't feel the pressure of media off the defeat and sort of takes a bit of time out to, to regroup and sort of go back to basic. Yeah, I think this is the perfect, I think if ever they're going to take a little bit of time to take him away, school him and let him learn and let him come back in a media presence off the back of it and talk about how he was feeling when he took that knee talk about where he was at mentally talk about where he was at physically the warrior code was perhaps broken but the warrior code exists amongst an elite group of warriors and no two of those warriors have the same look at the warrior amongst warriors the great Roberto Duran he went through it he's come back from it and he wears it what Daniel Dubois does next is in his own hands but what we didn't and don't and won't ever want or need to see is a scenario where we have another Anthony Ogogo. We do not want that. I genuinely think there's a lot of love for him out there because he doesn't shit talk. He doesn't get a little bit of it this time around. But I think he, he's a, he comes across as a good guy, as a, as a clever, intelligent, clued-in fella. Shit, there's no shame whatsoever in defeat. Why are the, where does Joyce go? Nowhere near Newsick for me, I'm afraid. If you put him in there right now, you, you're going to undo all what he's done. Uh, well, he, he was obviously the fall World Series of Boxing. He's like one of a round and won the, won the rounds easy. Probably you could see the, the rematch with Tony Yoga. You know, hmm. fought, fought in the Olympics. Five. Tony Yoga had a bit of time out. Um, I think he had a, something to do with a drugs test, something like that. You know, I think he tested positive. So he served a sort of a one-year ban and came back and um, won him points, I think, at the weekend. And he's, he's obviously calling Joyce out straight away. Looking ahead, I suppose, to the feature of the week. 
and uh, we'll, we won't forget the two there's a couple more Irish fellas James McGivern and, and Fergus Quinn been added to the card as well since but the main the main fight of the night Jazza Dickens and Ryan Walsh where do we start with this one? What a, what a fight supposed to obviously be on the Hard Davis Joe McKenna card probably now it's it's been given its own sort of spotlight as a main event because let's face it the, the Hard Davis and Tyrone fight was always going to take a spotlight away from it so positive test within Dickens camp probably has done them a favour and sort of give both fighters a bit more time can't ask for any better than this winner winner will obviously become mandatory for Emmanuel Navarrete he obviously moved up and, and won the WBO fellowship world title so per- perfect example you know Dickens has already fought fought for world title and could beat Burigo Ryan Walsh obviously held the British title since about 1410 yeah. held the British title for that long I think about four or five years I still think Ryan Walsh is is, is going to win you know you, you don't hold the British title for, for the period of time that you've had Obviously, he's been a really good boxer, and like beat, he's beat Margo McCullough, he's beat James Tennyson. He's, he can box in front foot, he can box in the back foot. Dickens is Dickens has overexcelled in the in the tournament. You know, it's probably fair to say he's probably been the standout one, showing a lot of pride and you know sort of who he is and and what he's all about. Come out with a great 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 one against Lee Wood. Last time, probably thought Lee Wood was going to be the bigger, stronger fighter. And really, really interesting final. It's classified as a 50-50 either way. Just who wants it more on the night? Yeah, I think before we even look at those layers, Stephen, what really jumps out is, is they're two nice guys. They're two real, genuine, honest, hard-working. They've never had anything handed to them. They've probably had more adversity than most. And they're still there. And even even at the height, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't when I reached out to both of them after the la- after the fight was cancelled at the last minute. And I just, I was I was devastated. I was gutted that the fight was off. But when I when I chatted to them, I just thought, lads, there, there's a special place for these fellas. No matter what happens on Wednesday night, they're the type of people we need to be pushing to the fore, not pushing backwards and stripping them of titles and not promoting them. And I caught up with Jazza a couple of days ago just to grab a few minutes with him. All the same's got John Marwan ready to fight. Really couldn't ready to fight him. Look forward to it. It's been a long time being waiting to fight. So for lads like yourself, this is the harder part, isn't it? Yeah, but you learn to you learn to live with it. Really, you learn to deal with it. It's part of the job. And if you don't want to play the game, then get out. You know, and that's that's a part of. There's a lot of benefit that comes from wrestling as well. Would you say, Jazz, that's part of experience? Dare I say, you're becoming a mature fighter now? Yeah, because years ago when I was when I was a kid, I. If I felt like this now, I'd just go running because I've got so much energy and I've got nothing to do. I'd just go for a run or go and do something mad like train or something like that because it was the only way I knew how to channel the energy. But now you get get a bit older and you, and you gather a bit of faith and, and an understanding of the game and how it works and like, that you need to rest. You can rest up and just let, the, let, all the, um, let your strength build rather than giving it out because you've got so much energy and the anxiety and all that. And I think as well, something that you mentioned to me, you've started to work not just on yourself, but on the media side of things, so that it's not just when you have to do it. Definitely, mate. As you see, I'm, I'm facing the media day today because I think the world that we live in now, it's, it's, I don't know for how long it's going to be, but everything's going into Zoom and, and through the internet. So I thought, how do I develop? How do I be professional in this situation? How do I be the best version of me? And I don't have to deal with the media. I'm in a, a position where I could just do nothing. I still fight and still get paid. And you know, and you forget about the fans, you forget about the people interviewing you, and and all these things. But I want to be a super professional. I want to still keep in touch with the fans. I want to still do the media. Look, lads like me are ten a penny, and and I'm being brutally honest about it. I'm aware of that. So it's what you do, what I do in my time to make myself stand out. But 
your time is precious and it's drawn on you. So if there's 10, 15, 20 people looking to pull some of your time, I thought it was a great idea. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Well, it's my day off, so I thought I'll be sitting there, I'll probably probably going to the fridge, opening the fridge, <laughs> looking at the fridge, knowing, knowing I can't eat what's on the shelf, then putting the fridge back, shutting the door, and then going sitting down and getting back up and repeating that all day. So I thought I need to be a professional and just do what's best best for my career in the long run. I still sacrifice from my family. I'm still not seeing my family, but... Um, these little things like that, you think, well, yeah, we'll just go and be at home with my family. That's something that many people mightn't be aware of. You're a Liverpool lad. You're born reared. You train there. Your camp is there. But you don't necessarily, you don't live at home during camp. Do you want to tell it? The Irish family, I suppose. The Irish chapter, <laughs> as we call them now. <laughs> well, I've got my own family. I'm very blessed. I've got two kids and a partner. And we're so lucky. And we, we're a loving family. And we've got the Lord in our house. We're very close. We're, we're, all, we're all each other's got, you know, and... When it comes to camp, I don't go out. So it's been like six, I would say six out of the last eight months, I haven't been at home. I've been away. I've been in my dad's house. I only live not even half a mile away, but I don't see them. I see them once a week where I have to be that strict. And if I've got energy at the end of the night to play with my kids, that energy should have been put into the same. And that's how I see it, you know. And um, unfortunately for my family situation, it comes a. The seed which carries in an equal amount of benefit, and that's in boxing and in career and career wise, we're absolutely flying. And because they have done sacrificed all this, I believe I've sacrificed more than anyone. It's an incredible commitment, dedication. It's it's some people will say, "What's your look? You're a professional athlete, and you're fighting at the highest level." Even still, it's too easy to say these things, and people that aren't familiar with it mouth off and they'll they'll say things and they'll throw out these liners. But when you actually break it down and think about it, it it would be very straightforward and simple for you to go back home and sit there and be around the house. But the commitment is so much more. Is that something you've always done, Jazz, or is it something that you've again implemented as you went on? Always, mate. Yes, since. Uh... Since the start of boxing, I, I, I watched Rocky. I grew up watching Rocky. I would run dead early in the morning and stuff like that. So this was just the way I thought that it had to be done. I was very, I was an only child, and my dad used to teach me how to do one more, do one more. When we used to train in, train in the house as a kid, it was always one more, one more, one more. So I used to do a lot of training alone, and the mentality that I that I grew through that meant like through that. Outlook was just more, 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 more. So if I'm getting up and running at nine a.m., I'm thinking I could be up at four a.m. running. Just more, more, more. Do you know what I mean? If I'm doing ten press ups, I could be doing eleven. So I always sneak that extra one in there when I'm in the gym. So it's always been more, 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 and that's always been my mentality. But it's paid off massively because then when you get picked to fight for England, and then you go on Great Britain teams and stuff like that. You realise you're doing more than these people. You're running faster than these people. You're training harder than these people. You're sacrificing your diet and more than these people. But you didn't realise it because you were on your own. You were isolated. But that mentality that I've got, just one more, it goes a long way. I can cope quite well on my own. I can I can manage. I can manage myself. Myself and myself don't get on all the time, but we we still manage to uh, to, to cohabitate. No rows with the dad, anyways, is there? He's still the boss. Yeah, he's still <laughs> the boss. Yeah, like you're saying there. Me and me, we all have a void, don't we? And I believe it's called the God-sized, the God-sized hole in all of us. And we all have that void, and, and it's how we fill that void. Some people aren't so good at doing this. Some people develop addictions. and uh, Some people develop codependency issues. And a lot of people just go down the wrong path because you do not know how to channel it. I'm lucky, really lucky that I've got family. We're, we're selfish creatures. We're very, very selfish creatures. You know, we do what we can to fill our needs first and foremost. And 
I'm lucky I've got a lot of positive outlets to, to fill mine. Taking back up the training and, and going back into it, was it a process? Did you have to kind of analyse where you were at, where you were going, or was it just that did the guys have all that under control and in place for you when you went back? Yeah, well, we knew that we were we were peaked. We were peaked just, we were primed to fight. So to to hold that, you're not going to hold that for the, amount of, for the amount of time. Initially, we thought, how many weeks are we going to have? Can we hold this peak and fight within three weeks? We nearly, we were so close to getting on the Usk-Chisora bill. Um, that never come off. So it was then, within the next four or five days, just like, let it go. Now, let it go. Let yourself just relax. Stay on your diet, but just relax. Go, go. Just spend family time or some downtime. I think I had something like two weeks off and then I was ready to go again. Um, yeah, but, but starting the camp, I was a lot fitter than starting the camp before it. So that means you will peak faster than you, that you did last time. So, it was about prolonging, prolonging that peak, you know, yeah. and, and maybe cutting off, cutting off two weeks, two weeks out, and just doing my sharp bits where I'm at now. I'm done. Do you know what I mean? People, someone said to me the other day, "Fucking hell, that what's like camp start? You finished? You've still got like two weeks over." I did that with last week. I said, "Once the work's done, the work's done. You can't go over, you know." So the work, the work's done. We're both in that situation. Is who knows how to play the game like this? No one knows because this doesn't happen. It's been it's, it's been a long time where being in camp for like what would you say eight months or something like that? Not in camp on and off, been preparing for a long time. So yeah, I think um, it's about the rest. This situation now is not about who can peak the most because we're both in good p- position because we've had so long to say. It's about who can preserve his energy and who can rest better. That's where I'm at now. I genuinely think. You guys have enough about you. Your careers have enough about it. You have enough style. You have enough experience. I think we could see maybe two or three different types of fight in the one fight without giving away a game plan. It's all... It, it, there's a lot on the line for both of you, isn't there? Yeah, of course. Of course, yeah. I think... Um, tactics is a big part of any fight, isn't it? Not just, not just in, in boxing and life. How mm. you negotiate the situation that you're in and, and a positive mindset. And I don't think I think a lot of things outside of tactics physically will be the deciding factor. You know what I mean? Positive mindset and and perspective on the situation. Who's got the ability to, you know, um, keep on digging in? You know, with a lot of things that you don't see within the fight. And I think he's got a lot of qualities himself. As I said, I think yourself and Ryan and the teams are all it, it's adding to an intriguing battle I'm going to ask you before you go to tell because um, our listeners might not have all heard your story on, on Instagram um, you had a very interesting uh, proposition in Asda a couple of weeks ago did, it, did, it, did you take it up any further or did you follow it up <laughs> <laughs> yeah so if anyone doesn't know in the Asda if you're walking around the Asda on a Thursday night at 7 o'clock and there's somebody and he's carrying nothing but bananas that means he's a swinger so that's cold for swinger. So if you see anyone in the Asda on a Thursday night with nothing but bananas <laughs> basket, then you know what he is. It's obvious. So you just got to keep your eyes open for it. So if you get someone approaching you asking you where the bananas are on a Thursday night, just, just watch yourself. And was it bananas that you were asked about or was it something different? Well, no, I was in the Marks and Spencers and I had it, and a fella come up to me and said, did you get the right bubbles you want? I like the thought. Is this, is this, is this like the gay version of the bananas? So, no, I just said, I'm 
And are you are you like myself and like most other fellas or whatever in that child in your mind coming straight away? Did the did the pair of, did a bunch of bananas come into your head and wonder what he was thinking, or did you just? <laughs> well, for me, mate, I don't like wishing luck because you make your own luck. You work too hard to rely on luck. But to give us a little more, one more little bar of that song. What a man! What a fella! Thanks to Jazza, and as I said, to the pair of them, just wishing them massive luck and best wishes and, and health and everything else that goes. Just a footnote, I was due to speak with Ryan on the same day, and I got my times wrong. I ended up being delayed coming back, and it didn't work for me that day. The next uh, couple of times then I was due to speak with him, one or the other missed each other. So... In the long shot of it then, we didn't actually get to speak this time around. Now, I've, I've played around with the idea of maybe taking some copy off YouTube or taking some of the previous interview, but I think that would be just, it wouldn't be true to him and where he's at right now and it might not give uh, a proper reflection. So what I'll do is I'll hold off, I'll speak with Ryan and Graham and Liam when uh, in the aftermath at whatever stage that is, whether it's uh, with a victory, it'll be, he's told me, I've chatted to him even just this morning, but it's just from a from a logistics point of view and from a recording and everything else, it's just not possible to get it on, to get it done, which is no problem. It's no hassle. And as as I did with Jazza, I send him all my best wishes and uh, health and hopes for for happiness and all that goes. Now, before I bring you back in here, Steve, my two concerns for one each is that Jazza didn't peak in the semi final, and the other is that this delay hasn't upset Ryan. I hope the two of them are now even in better place and, and serve up what because I don't believe the loser whichever of them it is, is is a loser I believe whichever of them doesn't come out the right result on on Wednesday night I think will still have a big career and they'll still have a big big few months ahead of them Yeah you, you probably say the the probably pressure's more on Walsh you know 34 years of age last last sort of chance you know not having you know sort of being the, the away fighter on a, on a lot of cards and sort of having to take fights at short notice to get fights, you know, 34 and coming into his, I think he's 12, 13 years now as a pro. Another defeat now, he's obviously tried for the European title before and lost. Dickens has obviously been there for a world title and sort of rebuilt. For for Dickens, probably more it's a chance that he can keep going, but he sense there's too much pride at stake that, you know, potentially the loser could, could end up retiring. I think with Jazza as well, this has been a consolidation. It's been, he's he's returned to roots. He's come back to Liverpool He's he's based there with Jerry and Georgie Vaughan. He's he's training in his hometown. There's a lot goes on and there's a lot of hype and there's a lot said about these fights. But I think this one, the prize is huge. It's it's life changing, isn't it? It is. Hasn't been confirmed who the deal's with, how much it's worth. As well, they say it's a five fight deal with six figure sums. For for any boxer, it's it's life changing. Do you know what it is? It's it's shown from a promotional standpoint and a management standpoint. MTK take an awful lot of flack right and that's fine if that's what people want to throw but if you want to look at it from a pure boxing standpoint they they keep their fighters busy and they move them aggressively if they have to pit them against each other they pit them against each other and I know from speaking to Jamie it's not easy for him I'd say Jamie Conlon pulls whatever hair he has left out over and over and over again I'd say he, he manages his friends and his friends with his, with his with his fighters but at the end of the day when, when they have to be moved they move them and, and we've seen that particularly over lockdown Speaking with a few boxers, what it is about Jamie, and whether it's just Jamie or whether it's just MTK in general, they're not just setting out one plan, you know, a one fight plan. They're setting out 12, 24, 36 month plans with fight, fighters so that they know, look, we've got your best interests at heart. Here's why you're getting a four rounder or a six rounder. 
here's here's where what's an offer next, and they're building them all up. The featherweight final on on Wednesday night, it's uh it's bringing all the qualities of boxing. It's bringing all the quality of boxers: tough, raw, aggressive, hard, skillful, uh, all the rest. Hunger. I don't think either are going to be found wanting. And I I you're not going. I'll, I'll go on record now as to say you're not going to see either of these. Wa- they're not going to walk away from this. They're not going to take a knee. You're going to have to carry them out of it and I know that sounds terrible I don't like saying it but it means that much to them to their families to everything else how will we separate them what's what's your what's your final thoughts on this one so I'll just put my disclaimer right there first of all I'm terrible at predictions yeah, I'm, so not good. I'm not great either this. especially when I have I find the closer I get to these fighters and the, the more I talk to them and the more you get to know them I find it just <laughs> I don't even want to try but go ahead just on let me put that as just want to put a disclaimer right there, so that obviously somebody's not, you know, looking for a, a, a way of, of one side or the other. You know, terrible predictions. I'd, Don't put your I'd mortgage done, on it. <laughs> I done the bois. They won't be nogging in the first round on Saturday night, only because Miller half one of the spent a fiver and a bet, and that failed miserably. Um, but in the in the featherweights, I'm going to go for Ryan Walsh points. Yeah, and that's fairly you're fairly definitive on that. Is that from what you've seen with him? Is that just everything? <laughs> Is there is there he, any? He, he, he has everything in his locker, you know. His front foot, back foot, you know. Jazz is probably going to have to come to him, you know. Ryan Walsh has obviously had to go looking for for fighters, and obviously Troy McCullough, and, the, and um, you know, he had to go looking for him. So he sort of had to work the angles. I just think he can fight front foot, back foot. I think Dickens is more of a front foot fighter. So what he's going to be like in the on the back foot, or is he going to get caught in the way in? You know, Walsh likes to throw that left hook. Um, and fighters in the way in so I just think I think both men are, are made of a different grade and I think uh, they'll, they'll both be proud and obviously one's going to be victorious and the other one's going to be devastated Yeah I think if um, if all things have been equal and everything as is, is as it seems I think I think I think you're right and, and, and it pains me to say it because I, I I've just I've, I've grown a lot I've grown very fond of, of the two of them for different reasons but I think look we're just talking boxing we're just talking opinions I think my, as I said to you earlier, my concerns are that Jazza may have peaked in the semi-final. That that might have been his best performance yet. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying that's it's to beat that performance. It's going to have to be sensational. But to beat Ryan Walsh, I believe he's going to have to be sensational. So if he does that, I think it's fitting. I think Ryan. I think he's he's had a career of, and he has that hurt. He has that hunger. That that. Uh, outside fella that fella that's been forced on the margins of boxing for years left unforgotten left ignored let's be honest about it and to strip him then of his title as he goes to fight this it's 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 beyond beyond words and and his brother has set up a, a very tasty fight with Liam of course his twin brother for for um, the new year with 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 our man Polly Highland Jr as well we can get to that in the new year or maybe in a roundup but yeah I think you're right I think if all things are equal and I think thing, both of them come ready my fear for Ryan is as I said to you earlier Maybe, maybe, and I'm not not from. I haven't spoken to him yet, but that the delays may just have etched away a little bit at him. But I haven't seen or heard anything to suggest that. So let me wrap it all up and get this out because we're here into Wednesday fight day. Boxing doesn't always get big fights, and boxers in turn don't always get their fair dues, their big chances. Money in this business talks, and unfortunately, there's an awful lot of bullshit that walks as well. And I've seen that at close quarters over the last few few weeks. As I wrap up this episode, it's important for me, before I speak on fighters or 
anybody else to give to give props to those who have given these two fellas their opportunities to MTK to Eddie Hearn and to a degree I suppose Sky Sports to BBC BBOC I think need to take a long long hard look at themselves and have a proper think as to what are they doing and who are they doing it for and who are they really got at their best interests to the boxers being 100% honest I've said in previous episodes these fellas weren't on my radar before this tournament but once it started once we started to see what they are what they have and what they all have once I reached out interviewed chatted and got to know them off air I realised what we have here and what do we have here it's a good question it's a good question and there's a lot of different answers. Um, in Jazza Dickens and Ryan Walsh we have two fellas who could and should be representatives and re- and should be the poster boys or men <laughs> for our sport. As men they're tough, they're resilient, they're honest, they're hard as nails, hard working. And do you know what it is really? They show up. They show up. They represent. They do what they say. As fighters, they're multifaceted, they're multidimensional, they're respectful, they adapt. And by adapt, I mean in-fight. They think their way through fights. You can see them making changes, making making alterations to their style, making whatever, what doing whatever they have to do in-fight. They don't need to be told. You can see one little box in the back foot, the front foot. I don't believe Ryan is going to have to look for Jazza, nor vice versa. As Ryan said many times in the build-up to this, when I spoke to him, he said it in different interviews, as his dad told him a long time ago, you can teach a man to box, but you can't teach him to fight. And put simply, in my opinion, this fight cannot, can't not deliver. And where does it put me? It puts me in a spot, if I'm being honest. I speak to boxers regularly. Not just these two, but generally, by and large, in the lead-up to or the aftermath of one of the biggest, if not the biggest, of their career. Because the next fight for every fighter is the biggest one, really and truly. I've seen the ecstasy, I've seen the unbridled joy, and at times I've felt it. You can say, you can you can just get that buzz, the vibe. A night where all the hopes and dreams and all the hard work of hours and hours of blood, sweat, tears, all combine and come together to deliver that ultimate win. But the yin to that yang and the ultimate negative in a boxer's career. It's the dreaded, gut-wrenching heartache of defeat. And for listeners, or people that haven't been around, haven't seen these fellas, the aftermath, sometimes the aftermath of a loss that can be unrecognisable. It can be awkward, there's a melancholy, and there's a genuine heartbreak. I'm already dreading the actual thought of having to reach out to whichever of these two don't get the result tonight. And I spent a lot of time over these last couple of days thinking about this. What do I do? How do I do it? When do I do it? Because I get to witness it all. I get to see it. I get to feel it. But I also get to feel the pain. And anything that I feel, as I said, it's only a very small, minute percentage of what those guys are feeling. And there is nothing that me or anybody else can say in the aftermath that's going to remotely help or change how they're feeling. But for me again, it's wrong not to offer something. It's wrong not to try. Even if it doesn't help, even if it doesn't change. 
they've given me enough respect and time and enough of them for me to at least, at least, make an effort. So let me close by saying, in my opinion, at this stage, not to feel that pain, not to feel that awkwardness, not to feel that hurt. That would be an indicator for me right now at this part of where I'm going that something is wrong. And the ones who keep prostituting themselves and keep selling their desperate clickbait into that absolute want to be relevant at the expense of these warriors, well, yeah, that's just wrong too. That's it for me and them until then. Might have a wee short episode over the next couple of days. Myself and Steve covered quite a lot. We looked at the... uh, James Tennyson fight coming up at the weekend. We also looked ahead a little bit to the McKenna brothers, who you will hear on this episode coming really soon. I've got episodes coming with Danny Keating. I've got an episode with Lewis Crocker. I've got lots and lots of stuff in the pipeline, and I'm almost into the studio. Thanks to Steve for his time, his thoughts. Really, really enjoy working with Steve. Positive, insightful, and polite all the time. So thanks, Steve, for your time. Really enjoyed. Looking forward to working with you. Plenty more in the future. Thank you for listening. Enjoy what you hear today. Hopefully, if you do, give us a little rating, give us a little review. Enjoy the fights tonight. In the meantime, stay safe, stay sane, and smile. All's well that ends well.
it has, you know, to say the the one thing, and obviously, you know, both men is they've sort of shown good things and and sort of still things to come. Oh, cat needs to be fed. No, I think it just wants to play. 